Hey there, this is Pastor Terry. Welcome back to Grace for a Journey. So glad that you're with us. If you're new, welcome on in. We're in 1 Kings chapter 13, and the story is getting to be absolutely riveting. Now, some of you may think that the Bible's just filled with dry and dusty and empty doctrine. By the way, doctrine is not dry or dusty in my opinion, but some people think that it might be. But that doctrine is often found within the context of real, true stories that happened. And it is really amazing. So as we've been going through 1 Kings, I've just been trying to really tell you the story because the Bible is obviously written perfectly. It's written by a holy God and uh, it is his word to us. And so the way it is written matters as much as what's written in it. And so let's look at this story. We pick up the story, Jeroboam. Let me just tell you what has happened. Jeroboam is now king of 10 of the tribes of Israel. Okay, Rehoboam is the king of Judah, which is other two tribes, a separate area. The kingdom was divided after Solomon because of Solomon's heart. He sinned and he sinned in his heart and God tore the kingdom from his, from his uh, followers, from his children. And so Jeroboam was just sort of picked. Uh, he didn't earn it. He wasn't of uh, necessarily a great royal lineage, but God chose him. And God was gracious to him. Rehoboam, if, if you remember, was about to attack him just a couple episodes ago. And, and God went to, to, to Rehoboam and said, don't do it. Don't attack your brothers. Leave them in peace. So God's put Jeroboam in place, has sustained him while in place. But something happened last time. Do you remember the last episode? If, if you listened or watched, um, Jeroboam thought that if he allowed his people in his kingdom to go to Jerusalem, which was in a different kingdom now, because the, the kingdom's divided into two kingdoms, that they would start loving that king more, that place more, and they would come back, kill him, and reunite everything. Now, here's what you got to get. God had protected, God had protected uh, Rehoboam, uh, I mean Jeroboam, in amazing ways. He had, he had protected him. And so, uh, why he wouldn't protect him from that point on, we can't figure out what was in his head. So what he does is he goes out and he makes these golden calves. Have you heard that one before? And he sets them in two different cities and he builds altars and high places around there. Now, high places always in the Bible refers to um, places of pagan worship. So he builds these places, he goes to these places and he establishes these, these two golden calves and they pray and they worship there. So the number one sin, that causes God to strike huge judgment into the hearts and the lives of his people, idolatry, number one sin that causes it. Uh, this is what he does. And we can't find any reason for why, why he did it. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any reason for him to do it. It's just that his heart wandered, his paranoia took over, his fear consumed him, and then his ego got the best of him. And so we pick up in 13, chapter 13, and here's what happens very quickly. And behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel, Jeroboam. Uh, Jeroboam was uh, standing at the altar to make offerings. And the man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a son shall be born of the house of David, uh, Josiah by name, and he shall sacrifice on you the priest of this high place who makes offerings on you. The human bones shall be burned on you. And so here's what he says. So this, this prophet comes out and says to, to, uh, to Jeroboam, who's getting ready, caught him in the act of idolatry, uh, worshiping at this false altar. I mean, caught him in the act. Can't deny it. And, and so here's what the, pre, the prophet does. He doesn't speak to Jeroboam. 
he speaks to the altar and says, upon you, basically, sin's been committed. Upon you, God has been offended. So here's what's going to happen. On you, the bones of the priests that worship here are going to be burnt, and you're going to be torn apart. Now, Jeroboam gets this. He's not a dummy. He knows what that means. He, what that means is the system he created to push people and to pull people to worship him and his structure is about to be destroyed. And so it goes on and says this. Now he gave a sign the same day saying, this is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. Now, when the king heard this, this is Jeroboam, heard that the man of God was saying this, he, um, which he cried out against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand. We don't know which one. Probably is right. Jeroboam stretched out his hand um, and, and from the altar and saying, seize him. This is what he says to the, to the priest. Take this, all you priests, take this prophet and, and arrest him. And his hand immediately, which he had stretched out against him, was withered and he could not draw it back. So his hand in process of saying arrest this guy became crippled and withered and he couldn't control it, couldn't manipulate it, couldn't use it. God's bringing judgment to Jeroboam. Why? Because he didn't trust the Lord at every step of his journey. He abandoned God at a particular point in his journey. Fear got too strong. Risk got too big. You know, uh, struggle became too real, and he abandoned the Lord. Now, I want to ask you, have you abandoned the Lord? Have you walked out of really loving and following the Lord because it's gotten too tough? You couldn't trust him with your finances, so you stopped tithing and giving. You couldn't trust him with your relationship, so you stopped praying and loving. You couldn't trust him with your kids, so you stopped investing and forgiving and connecting. Yet have you given up because you don't think God is enough right now? He's enough. Jeroboam had to learn it the hard way. We don't have to. We have the story. We don't have to learn it the hard way. We can learn it these ways. So he goes on and says this. So he, he, he said, seize him. His hand uh, uh, withered up so he couldn't draw it back to himself. The altar also was torn down and the ashes poured out, just like he said it would be, was poured out from the altar and according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king said to the man of God, entreat now the favor of the Lord your God. Now you notice he doesn't say the Lord our God. His heart has turned. He is no longer worshiping our God. It's your God and oh, it looks like my God's getting whipped. Isn't that a sad place to be? You know, those little words, our, mine, those things matter. When someone comes and they're a part of our church here and they say, well, I want to talk about your church. I say, well, wait a minute. It's our church. It's the Lord's church. These words matter. So it says, entreat now the favor of your God. And pray for me that my hand might be restored to me. And the man of God entreated the Lord, and the and the king's hand was restored to him because um, as just like it was before. And the king said to the man of God, Now come now to my house and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. And the man of God said, This, even if you give me half your house, I will not go with you, and I will not eat bread or drink water in the in this place. For so it was commanded to me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water, nor return by the way in which you came. So you went another way and did not return by the way of Bethel. So here's the takeaway. Are you trusting God when the pressure's on? Or are you building a different priority system in your life? So that's what worship is. Worship is about a priority system. Who is most valuable to you? That's what worship means, worth. 
Who is worth more to you? Who's worth more than the Lord to you? See, that's the question we have to answer. If we get that right, we're going we're gonna to move through those dark and bumpy times. We're going to move through those rough times. We're going to move through those times where we're not sure how it's going to end up. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to find unbelievable grace for our journey. We really will. Let me pray for you. Well, Father, we love you so much and thank you for today. And now, Lord, be with us as we live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, God's blessings on you. Man, love you so much. Thank you for being with us and hope to see you again next time. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Grace for Your Journey podcast. I pray that it has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. Pass it around if you think it would help somebody. And we look forward to you dropping by again for another episode of the Grace for Your Journey podcast.